You are Locked On Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? We are back here for another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every day. Free and available on all platforms. Continuing, getting close to the end here, continuing our series of the five greatest players at Tigers history in uh, across every position. We are now into our, I guess, what will probably end up being our second-to-last offensive position because I have gotten a insane amount of requests to do a, uh, a utility players list. Um, so we will probably do right field and then we will probably do a utility players one, uh, because I, I have gotten a plethora of DMS and tweets asking me to, to make sure that, uh, I brought it up like half jokingly once at second base. And now everybody kind of wants to do the, uh, the, the utility player ones. So we will definitely, be uh, be doing that, but for our main starters, this is the last one, and what an incredible position to end on, because right field is, I think, comfortably the most loaded in franchise history. I mean, it's, it's honestly insane how many good right fielders, not just good, how many great right fielders the Tigers have had in the history of their franchise. Um, the likes of J.D. Martinez will not even really come close to making this list. Uh, I, Nick Castellanos, I know he's a love-hate relationship guy. He's not going to be on this list. Uh, I mean, like, Torrey Hunter was a right fielder. Craig Monroe played a little bit of right field. Uh, Robert Fick played a, played some right field. I mean, there there's a, there's a lot of really, really good right fielders that will not even make this list and the five right fielders that will make the list are all phenomenal players we're, we're talking about a list with three hall of famers on it and uh four and five are are like pretty respected like damn good wall players of their eras as well um it's it's all it, doing this was by far the most fun i had of any position because of all the incredible talent that they've had i mean Maglio Ardonez, Bobby Higginson, I know we counted him as a left fielder, but he played some right. Vic Wirtz, uh, I mean, the the list really goes on and on. Chet Lemon played some right. I know we counted him in the center field one. Um, Rocky Calavito, like that, I, I could really go on and on. There is a, a plethora of talent that has played right field for the Detroit Tigers in the 100-plus uh, year franchise what are we a hundred almost 120 year franchise history i think uh next season not this upcoming season but the year after will be 120 years of existence for the tigers so um and a lot of really good right fielders a lot of really good right fielders we will probably do uh have a starting pitching one and a relievers one as well so we can separate those so we'll get into uh i guess we'll do we'll do right field we will do utility players, then starters, relievers. I don't know. We might save starters for last just because that's probably the most fun one because of all the great pitching we've had uh, in franchise history as well. But regardless, today, right field, 
loaded position. Coming in as the fifth greatest uh, right fielder in Detroit Tigers history, we do have, in fact, as mentioned earlier, Maglio Odonez. Uh, Mags was... Mags was the man. Uh, acquired him after the 2004 season, heading into the 2005 season. Um, had a really, really good career with the Chicago White Sox. Was a damn good ball player over there, uh, but had some injury concerns after the 2004 season. Had some back issues, had some knee issues. And those would carry on through the rest of his career, but it's important to note that 2005, he only played in 82 games. From 2006 to 2009, his age 32 through 35 season, he played 155, 157, 146, and 131 games. It wasn't really until the last two years when he was 36, 37, and 10, and 11 that the the big decline in games played happened, and that had to do with a slight talent drop-off as well, but uh, it... You know, people were worried about his health, and he came here and uh, was 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 definitely healthy and and playing almost every day. And so that that's like the biggest thing for me is it was not again not that it was like some crazy oh they're taking a chance on a dude like he had a phenomenal career in Chicago, uh, lots of three and a half, four and a half, four and a half, five and a half win seasons. Uh, with the White Sox was people also forget Maglio had wheels before the injuries. I mean, we know him as the middle of the lineup, um, kind of a, a slug doubles kind of a bat. Um, but you know, least we forget that in Chicago, I mean, he had a he had a 2020 season, 25 stolen bases, 18 stolen bases, 13 stolen bases on top of 30 homers, 32 homers, 31 homers, 38 homers. Uh, I mean, he was he, he was the man. He was a, a very close to a, a five-tool athlete. He was never a very, very good defender, but um, could really – was very well-rounded, um, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And he came here, realized that the speed wasn't going wasn't gonna to follow him, Career high in uh, stolen bases for a season as a Tiger was four. And just turned into an out-of-this-world hitter. Uh, We'll get into his 2007 season at the end. But uh, even though he was not a good defender and the defense kind of held him back, I mean, a 309 career average. His batting, he only had a sub-300 batting average once in Detroit, and it was 298. I guess he had a 255 technically in 2011 and in his last season and uh and he played a little over half the season I guess so that probably counts. Um but was consistently over 300, 370 career on base percentage and a 502 career slugging percentage. That is a unbelievably impressive 871 career OPS. Highlighted by his best, by far the best season of his career in 2007, where he had a 1,029 OPS. Uh, WRC plus for his career was 126. In 2007, it was almost 170. He would get runner-up for MVP that season, only behind Alex Rodriguez, who had just an unbelievable like 300 average, 50 homer, 20 stolen base, like 10 WAR season. Absolutely deserved it, uh, but Maglio had an eight-win season in 2007. 139 RBIs, if that floats your boat. 28 homers, 
Uh, an 11.2 walk percentage to an 11.6 K percentage in 2007. Unbelievable. A 363 batting average, 434 OBP, and a, almost a 600 slugging percentage. Absolutely remarkable year. Uh, was actually kind of a okay-ish defender that season, too. Uh, he had a plus one DRS. His DRS by year in Detroit was positive two, then negative six, then plus one in 2007, and then negative six, negative 10, negative eight, negative eight. So the, the plus one, is slight, slight little positive, those sliding catches he was known for, right? Instead of doing like head first dives, he would just do the, like he looked like he was just sliding to second base. That was like his thing. Everybody had the, every kid at least had the, the hat with the Maglio hair taped on the back. I mean, he really was a, a big part of this city and a massive part of the 2006 World Series run. Um, did not have a phenomenal season war-wise in 2006, but was obviously a monster in the postseason. And, I, I mean, most of the bad war comes from the inability to play very good defense. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, his uh, his offensive numbers that year were still. I mean, he had an 8.27 OPS, and that's you'll take that from pretty much anybody. It's just you know for his 8.71 career OPS, I guess that's a little bit of a letdown. But hit one of the most iconic home runs in the history of this organization, maybe the most iconic. Like as far as most, as far as. One home run that everybody in the fan base knows. It's either got to be Maglio's or Kirk Gibson's. He don't want to walk you in 84. Like, that's really it. I'm, maybe J.D. Martinez first game back. But, like, that really... Like, Ma- I think it's Maglio. I, I think I think he's responsible for the single most I, I, iconic home run in the history of the franchise. So, with all that considered, again... I, I I mean, just he was the man and highlighted in, like I said, in 2007 by an eight-win season. We will get into the top four, some really big names coming up right after I tell you all about Bilt Bar. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. Yours is about getting fit or eating healthier. Make sure to include Bilt Bar in your plan. Bilt Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. Bilt Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution. Because it tastes good, you'll want to eat it. Unlike other protein bars with are chalky, waxy, or even honestly taste like chemical spill. You want to eat healthy, but it just gets so boring. By like week three, you're like, this is not worth it. Where's the chocolate? Well, Bilt Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Here's an idea for the new year. Go to your secret treat stash, the home, the pantry, uh, the office, the car, wherever. Throw out all your sugary, calorie-filled treats and replace them with Built Bars. So when you're craving a snack or a treat, you can reach for something that's healthy and tastes incredible. Even if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least get something that tastes good and is good for you. That way, when you enjoy a delicious Built Bar, you can almost count it as a workout. There's so many flavors to choose from. Coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, many, many more. 
In fact, Built is always coming out with new limited time flavors. So check out Built.com often to see what's new. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCK15. You get 15% off of your order. It's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, everybody, we are back here for segment two of Locked on Tigers. I am, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Thanks for making Locked on Tigers your first listen every day, free and available on all platforms. We are headed into the top four right fielders in Tigers history. Coming in at number four, we have the man, the myth, the legend, Kirk Gibson, uh, now a staple in the booth. Um uh, everybody knows Kirk Gibson. Um, f- phenomenal career. I mean, I, I know there's people have plenty of opinions about him and, and about him and as a broadcaster and everything, but uh, I mean, uh, a hell of a ball player and one of the staples of the 1984 Detroit Tigers that made that incredible, incredible run to a World Series. Um, he, he could hit, man. He could hit. And as he got older, the defense kind of got wary. Um, as the athleticism started, that's the word, to decline. Um, but, I, I mean, one of the most iconic home runs in Detroit Tigers history, one of the most iconic home runs in baseball history when he went to the Dodgers. Um, just a, a, a remarkable career. And career war of 36, very respectable. Uh, in 1984, he had the third best season of his career with a 4.7 war. Uh, career OPS of 815 in uh, 1984, he had an 880 OPS. I mean, he was a, he was a hell of a hitter, a hell of a ball player, and, and was certainly the uh, I guess you would what you would call the heart and soul, or maybe the grit of the 1984 Tigers. <laughs> Certainly not afraid to speak his mind. Uh, him and Sparky always used to. Uh, well, Kirk Gibson still tells stories about how him and Sparky used to go at it. Um, a, uh, a a <laughs> a hell of a guy, Kirk Gibson has 255 career home runs, 870 career RBIs. A 10.8% walk percentage to a 19.3% K percentage. Uh, we already talked about the career OPS. 267 average, 352 OBP, 463 slugging percentage, a 123 career WRC+. Plus. Uh, best Tigers season was 1985 with a, almost a 5.5 war season. Um, a, a very, very OPS in the 860s, 882 in, uh, in 1985, uh, the defense actually picked up uh, a little bit that season too. He, he, was, <laughs> he was a staple. He was certainly a staple, and, and he was one of the guys you could always count on in the middle of the lineup, and uh, he don't want to walk you. One of the most iconic moments in the history of this franchise as well, similar to Maglio. Um, just uh, all around, I mean, he's a Tiger through and through, came back, to Detroit the last couple of years of his career in the mid-90s as well. Uh, he was a shell of himself as a player by that point, but uh, it was cool to at least have him retire where he started. was a rookie in 1979 at 22 years old and would play for the Tigers all the way until after the 87 season. 
the team that I still believe could have and should have made a run at another World Series. Um, and uh, then after 87, the band kind of started to break up and people started leaving other teams and or retiring or whatever. And Kirk Gibson was, was uh, one of those reasons that the decline started because he left. And he actually went to L.A. He broke up a six-win season with the Dodgers in 88. This notion that, like, I, the home run that he hit in L.A. Is, is obviously one of the most famous in the history of baseball. But, uh, but this notion that, like, this was, like, his last hurrah. And, he, if he, you know, he had to hit that home run. And, and, uh, and you know, if he... <laughs> It, he was he could barely walk and he was done playing like he played for like what almost 10 years after he hit that home he played for seven seven more years after he hit that home run like put up a two and a half win season literally the year after like i, I don't know it's a, it, it's hollywood it's la whatever like we'll we'll let him have their moment but i i prefer he don't want to walk you i think that's uh that's a lot more fun of a of a home run. So Kirk Gibson will come in as our fourth greatest Tigers right fielder of all time. Coming in at number three. Number three is a Hall of Famer. So that's telling you how crazy this list is. We have Sam Crawford. Sam Crawford was uh, shared an outfield with Ty Cobb for a many, many years. Was the Tigers right fielder from 1903 all the way until 1917. Um, the triples king that's, I mean, that's, that's his claim, right? He is, he is the undisputed, honestly, with the way the game is played now, probably will never be broken. Triples king 309 career triples, put that in perspective. He had 458 career doubles and 97 career home runs now different era because he only had 97 career homers and he led the league in homers twice. Uh, he had 16 homers in 1901, which led the league, and then seven homers in 1908 led the league. Very, very different era. Uh, Runner-up for MVP in 1914, when he had an 871 average, uh, led the league in RBIs in triples, not surprisingly. Uh, 183 hits, I mean, a a pretty damn good season. Got runner-up, like I said, uh, for MVP behind Eddie Collins, who ended up winning and rightfully deserved it. Had an unbelievable season, but uh, Sam Crawford's claim to fame will always be the triples. 306, 367 career stolen bases. Ain't too bad either. A 309 career average, 814 career OPS. Um, but but the big thing for Sam Crawford will always be the uh, the triples machine. If you look up like any triples record, like triples in a game, triples in a season, triples in a series, triples in a week, triples in a career, triples on a... Tuesday in the month of July, like literally any triple stat you can think of, Sam Crawford, I promise you, leads it. It is it is remarkable. Um, and, and obviously, like like I said, different era, different style of play, different ballparks, etc. cetera, uh, but still remarkable nonetheless. His career low in triples for a full season was uh, thir- was 10, I guess. Well, even then, uh, yeah, it was 10. We'll, we'll call it 10. He only played 100 games that year, but we'll, we'll call it. He never had single-digit um, triples in a season in which he played 100 and more games in, which was all but two. 
just, I mean, he had a 30 triple season in 1909, <laughs> like just stuff that if it had happened today, you, you wouldn't even believe it. Um, so Sam Cross, I mean, deserved hall of famer too. Almost 3,000 career hits, had 2,961 career hits. I already mentioned the 300 batting average, a ton of stolen bases, the triples, God, good OPS, 75.3 war on baseball reference, 71.1 on fan graphs. Uh, those are Hall of Fame numbers, baby. So Sam Crawford, uh, he he doesn't, I don't, it's like some players when they play with Ty Cobb, I feel like they get kind of overlooked. I think Sam Crawford probably gets the flowers he deserves for the most part because, again, every, like everybody knows him as the triples guy, and that's kind of what he was. So, uh, I mean, there there are stories, and, like, who knows if they're true or not, but there, there are stories about Sam Crawford having the ability. Like, it was, such, it was his staple in his identity so much that he would have the ability to get an inside-the-park home run, and he would stop at third. And be like, no, nah, I'm just going to take my triple. Remarkable, man. Like, how, what a cool, like, niche thing to just be known for. The Triples King, Sam Crawford, coming in as the third best right fielder in Tigers history. We'll get to our top two after I tell you all about BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is you cover this holiday season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues to march right through college bowl season and into the pro football playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all your sports action this season. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, so don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available. Bet online where the game starts. All right, everybody, welcome back to our third and final segment over here at Locked On Tigers. We are heading into our top two right fielders in Tigers history. Coming in at number two, we have Harry Heilman, another Hall of Famer, four-time batting title champion, had a 400 batting average in 1923, and had three other seasons where he hit over 390. A career 342 batting average and a career 930 OPS. Uh, Harry Heilman played for the Tigers in the 20s. He was actually the handoff from Crawford to Heilman. That's uh, that right when right when Crawford started his decline and then eventually retired. Harry came in and grabbed the torch and uh, would then be the Tigers' right fielder all the way until 1930. Um, a, a heck of a handoff, to be honest with you. A Hall of Famer handing off his position to another Hall of Famer is pretty lucky. Uh, neither of them able to win ra- rings in the Motor City, which is kind of sad. Um, but uh, but but Harry was, I mean, when you talk about pure hitter, I mean, that OPS over 1,000, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 times. OPS over 1,100 once when he had his 400 batting average season. Uh, had 183 career home runs, which for that era is pretty respectable. I mean, had an 18 and a 21 home run season in the early 20s. That's that's pretty pretty damn respectable. Led the league in hits once. Led the league in RBIs once. Um, I, I mean, was in the MVP conversation every year of of his career. 
that the MVP was around for. There was a little bit of a weird thing where there wasn't an MVP for a little bit, but from 1922 to 1928, he was 12th, 3rd, 9th, 4th, 5th, 2nd, and 15th in MVP voting each of those years. Those are all in a row, all consecutive. So, uh, I mean, uh, again, damn good ball player. Damn good ball player. That's something that I've said a lot, but uh, when when you're making a list that has three Hall of Famers on it, uh, you know it's kind of hard not to drool. 70 career war, had a ton of six-win seasons, highlighted in 1923, the 400 batting average season where he had a 9.2 war, uh, and that's, again, sandwiched in between one, two, three, four, five years where he had an over-six war. Um, even his bad years were like three war. <laughs> uh, retired with 70 in the Hall of Fame as well in Cooperstown. Harry Heilman coming in as our second best right fielder ever. And number one, to no surprise to anybody who pays a lick of attention to the Detroit Tigers, my mom's favorite baseball player of all time, right fielder. Al Kaline coming in as the greatest right fielder in Tiger's history, Mr. Tiger himself, uh, with 89 career war. Um, I mean this this is this is it, right? Like this is Mr. This is Mr. Tiger. There is there there is no competition for this. And it's not that there's just no competition because, oh, he's Mr. Tiger. You know, he's, he's one of the most popular Tigers of all time, whatever. I mean, for right field, for talent-wise, there, there's really no competition either. I mean, he, he has 25 and 28 more war than the two people below him. And the two people below him are both in the Hall of Fame. So, I, <laughs> really no competition. Was a plus defender. Was an unbelievable hitter. Career OPS of 855, a 297 career average. Uh, has three retired with 399 career home runs. Uh, the most home runs hit by, uh, or the most home runs hit in a Tigers uniform, I should say, in uh, in Tigers history, obviously. Um, I mean, uh, you could go on and on. 1,500 career RBIs uh, highlighted in 1961, a almost an eight-win season in 1967, a seven-win season. Uh, 1955, a seven-and-a-half-win season. Uh, an 18-time All-Star, a one-time batting title champ, a 10-time Gold Glove winner, and a Hall of Famer and World Series champion. In 1968, was in the MVP voting uh, almost every single year of his career. There was a three-year stretch from 68 to 70 where he wasn't, and besides that, it was it was literally either an All-Star appearance or an MVP vote every single year. Never won it, but uh, was I mean got runner-up twice, got third place once, sixth, seventh, fifth, third. I mean. <laughs> Was uh was was one of the most remarkable baseball men of uh, of all time, um, I, unbelievable man, Mr. Tiger, the statue in left field, the number retired on the bricks, uh, still made all the way up until his death, uh, was still making appearances in the front office, 
was still getting his pictures taken with fans at Comerica, um, was an assistant to the front office and, and would ask for help. Dan Dickerson tells a story about, uh, you know, Al Kaline just being the, the person that he would never voice his opinion out of line or out of like pocket. He, he would never stand up and, and say, this is what I think about this player. But every single person in the front office always wanted his opinion. And when he was asked to give his opinion, he would give it, um, just, uh, 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 340 of 385 ballots had his, uh, voted for him to be inducted into the hall of fame in 1980. Uh, not, not, you could go on and on, or you could say nothing at all, and both would work. He is, he is remarkable. A 200 hit season in 1959, a 41 double season in 61 that led the league. Um, had a lot of high 20 home run totals and did all that. And, and especially in the 60s, you know, an era where pitching dominated. And uh, his lowest WRC plus of a full season was 76, which he had at age 19. And he still had a 276 batting average um, and a one and a half war. That was, and, and then after that, it was just all comfortably above 100 <laughs> WRC plus for his entire career. 11% walk percentage to an 8.8% K percentage. In his career, in his 21, 22 year career, he had a walk percentage of over 2% higher than his K percentage. Unbelievable, man. The Mr. Tiger, the ultimate Detroit Tiger. There will never be another. And uh, may he rest in peace, man. Uh, A tough loss for this organization in 2020. And I'm glad that they were able to, you know, have the ceremony and and wear the patch and and do all this cool stuff to honor him because uh, certainly no one deserves it more. Was the reason that I wore number six my entire life. Um, I'm I'm an old head, clearly. (laughs) But, uh, but, you know, being my mom's favorite player and all that, when when I was a little kid in Little League all the way through high school... um, Number six was always the number I wanted to wear and tried to wear. And uh, it was all because of Al Kaline, baby. Coming in as the greatest right fielder in Detroit Tigers history. Thank you guys for listening. For real. Uh, thanks for making me your first listen every day. Now make your second listen, Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. Thank you all for rocking with me. Uh, anticlimactic ending to some of these positions, but uh, but still fun to do. I have a good time. It's gotten good reception. You guys seem to have a blast with it with nothing else going on. So uh, we're, we're going to keep doing it, and we're going to roll in. We only got a few left, but, uh, but we're going to roll into relievers, starters, utility players. Those are the three biggies we got left. So uh, thank you all for listening. Peace and love. Going to Therapy's Dope. And I'll catch you all tomorrow, baby. Go Tigers.